Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. It's only a couple days away. Welcome to Cheer Chat. There's going to be an episode this week. I pulled it off somehow. So I have an amazing interview with Marcus Anthony Sophus. He's a former uh, dancer for the DC Rhythm and Blue. And his episode is going to energize your butts getting into the new year. That's all I can tell you. Excited to share that with you. Um, I'm excited for Christmas this week. I watched all of the cute little pictures that people were posting and videos for the holiday games. And it really was one of my favorite games to wear our navy blue Santa dresses. And you just, we would dance to Mariah Carey all I want for Christmas. And honestly, it would just give me all the Christmas feels. And I miss that. And just seeing you guys out there looking so adorable. But I hope you guys are all ready for Christmas. You got your shopping done. I think I overshopped this year, just overcompensating for 2020 sucking. I've just been doing so much online shopping this whole quarantine. That's all I've been doing. And so it's really um, tough to break that habit leading up to Christmas, but the kids will be happy. That's all I can ask for. But uh, I have a couple things to update you guys on. Um, I included some things in the story. There's some updates from some NBA teams. I hope it's one of many awards that are going to be given out in the NFL. So if you guys are ready, we'll just get into it before I launch into the episode. So I told you guys I was going to try to watch more reality TV and or just TV period, which is not easy to do for me. But I watched 12 Dates of Christmas. So like Who's watched, it's on HBO Max, it's 12 Dates of Christmas, it's one of those dating shows, you know, you're finding love to bring somebody home for the holidays, and one of my former teammates, she was my captain, Um, I think that was my last year on the team, she goes by Faith Fernandez in this show, but I know her as Christian, I mean, I watched the whole thing, I watched the reunion episode, so I might as well talk about it, right, since I watched it, but I mean, for those dating shows, I don't know how... I don't know how people do it. I'm very impressed. I, there's just, I don't even say there's no way, but it would be super, super stressful. But they were in this beautiful castle in Austria and there were three leads. Um, I'm going to go by Faith, I guess, because that's what she was called in the show, but it's really hard. So Christian Faith, one of the two will come up. But anyway, they were in Austria and there were two other leads, a guy named Garrett and another guy, what the hell was his name? He was so cheesy. What was his name, you guys? Come on. Chad, of course. It's like the perfect name for him, the type of guy that he is. But anyway, super cute. There wasn't like a super ton of drama. It seemed like the cast more or less got along. It wasn't like, you know, just people throwing hot chocolate on each other and all that kind of drama. I don't know if you guys have the gumption to get on a reality TV show. And I think there are people who, you know, after they dance, they, you know, go down to LA and then they go to different casting calls. I mean, I'm not a commercial genius. And I think this episode is going to give us like another take on the commercial side of dance and acting and doing different things and branching out after you stop dancing. But I'm just curious, like, what do you guys think? Would you ever do it? Like, I would be too nervous. 
And especially when it, dating is hard enough and to do it on a TV show is probably just a whole nother level. But I won't do any spoilers. You guys should watch it and give me your two cents. But I watched the show and I'm just going to say, you know, like Christian's an amazing young woman. I think she carried herself very well. And, you know, she was the catch, like for real. Like even with all the women that came through the house, it was just like, you know, not for nothing, but just a little basic. But <laughs> but she was stunning and carried herself well. And, you know, I think for me watching, just being, you know, auntie, we're going to call me auntie. That came up in the episode, in the interview. I'm definitely older than most people that probably listen to the podcast, but I'm going to give my mama bear two cents. Why not? That's what I'm here for. But uh, it was just something where like the guy that was her love interest was a little bit older. Well, how much older than her? Like seven, eight years older than her. I think there was like a little snafu with a little white lie or whatever told by Christian about kissing the other lead or some drama. I mean, you guys watch it. But the point is like from there, I think because she is a very wonderful person and and loyal and trust and honesty and all that is super important to her. I felt like she was like almost trying to prove herself to him the rest of the time, like how loyal she was. Like she had like tunnel vision on this dude the whole time. And I'm like, you got you know, other people here that you could be exploring and getting to know. And there was a really, really cute guy at the very end that I actually was hoping that she picked. They drop dates in 12 days of Christmas. It's like you're on a date and somebody just pops up a new contestant. So it was really hard to probably manage and juggle all of that. But I just hope that things work out. I think, you know, once you're out of reality TV land, you have to kind of make sure that you can work. You have to get to know people. I mean, you can plunge all in, but there's, you know, trade-offs to doing that too. And I think the guy that she picked is pretty cautious and wanting, you know, 2020 hit and probably threw a million wrenches in their plans. But she came out of it single and it was just like, oh, he needs to be proving himself to her. That's how I feel. I mean, obviously I don't know shit about what's going on in their relationship, <laughs> but, you know, it's fun to watch and get into it. And it seems like they have mutual love and respect for each other and are still building, but they're not together. I don't know. Watch it. I don't, like I said, watch that kind of stuff. But if you guys are in stuff like that, then I will try to take an interest and support and watch it. And, you know, it just made me think about just supporting each other in general. You know, like everybody's got dreams and ambitions and things that they're looking to do. And, you know, it's scary once you put yourself out there. It's scary having a podcast. You know, it's scary launching your own business. I've seen so many different things from people during this quarantine, whether trying out their different skills and passions and interests. And I think we got to kind of support one another. I do the best I can with managing social media on here, but I love seeing the collaborations between people. Uh, Kayla Shabri, Shabri, oh my God, Kayla, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to call you Dr. Kayla, but I was super excited to see that she paired up with Jasmine, who's an Atlanta Hawks dancer, and they did like a mashup NBA, NFL, um, class down in Atlanta like I love seeing stuff like that like we should all be like supporting one another and you guys know I'm not doing ads with this podcast but hopefully you're listening as a way of support or telling your friends about it or whatever and tag me and stuff because I cannot keep up with Instagram and just like all the different things that are fed to me it's, it's not all the content that I want to see and then you keep seeing the same stuff over and over again so if I've overlooked anything please tag me I try to reshare as much as possible but I hope that carries forward into the new year that whatever ventures that people are doing that you, you know, you support each other. So I watched 12 Days of Christmas. That was me trying to show some support. And again, I'm still keeping up with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I'm enjoying watching it. I don't know what's removed from it. I probably should have watched the season before just out of comparison or something, but I am enjoying it a lot. I think it's been fun to watch. 
And these are some talented behind rookies coming in. That's all I can say. So moving on. One of the other topics that I wanted to bring up was just the NFL, because the Atlanta Falcons named their cheerleader of the year. Her name is Priscilla. She is a fourth year vet and a captain. And I don't know if it's like purposely not Pro Bowl. I feel like before that's just like the Pro Bowl cheerleader. So maybe they didn't decide to name a Pro Bowl cheerleader. I'm not sure. And I didn't get a chance to confirm, but congratulations, Priscilla. I think it's amazing. She's studying public relations at Kennesaw. I'm saying that right, right? Kennesaw State University. And she's a gymnastics coach and she seems like an all around great person and performer. And so, I mean, it's a huge honor. You guys, if we don't end up having Pro Bowl cheerleader honors this year, then I hope teams come up with something else to recognize their wonderful teammates and leaders on the team. And tag me if I miss anything, please, because I don't want to. I've been waiting for the official announcement on the um, Atlanta Hawks page, but I haven't seen it. But I know she got it, so I wanted to say congratulations. And, you know, the NBA has stormed the story with a bunch of stuff, but it seems as though the NBA is taking a similar path as the NFL last year, where a few of the teams had made an announcement that they're not going to hold auditions. Some of them kind of left it open, whether they were taking vets, but now it seems like today was the day to kind of announce that there are squads that are formed based on the veterans. So the Warriors, the Miami Heat, and the Laker girls and the Clipper Spirit Dancers all kind of had their announcement of their team and welcome back their vets. And it's super exciting to see what they'll be doing. Um, there are a few teams that are out there right now. It looks like at games, I'm not sure if they're performing like on the court or what their activity is. I'm just waiting for it to be posted to be public. But 76ers Entertainment Team seems to be at games. The 407 has formed, so the Detroit Pistons dancers. So there's a few teams that have formed in Atlanta Hawks, of course, and a couple others, I believe. But we're waiting to see what they end up doing. I mean, it's great, that at least if they're taking back vets. And even if it's just concept videos, it'll be great to see some dancing. The Brooklynettes have been putting out some cute stuff lately leading up to Christmas. But let's just hope that the rest of the teams will follow suit and there will be some performances connected with game day or at least over social media for us to all enjoy. I think the Pace Mates were another team that just kind of announced that they weren't holding auditions out of this concern for safety. So I'm going to be keeping my eyes peeled for the NFL cheerleaders announcement in terms of Pro Bowl and then any other updates that come. I mean, I plan to launch an episode next week as well. This is just one of the ones I've been holding on to all summer long, but it's just a, a wonderful conversation that I also think will get you guys pretty motivated for the new year. And I know it's coming close to the end of NFL season, and a lot of people are probably, you know, just a little disappointed because they planned for this to be their last year. They planned to retire, and it probably wasn't the season. Duh, it was not the season that you wanted. But, you know, there's just so much that you're going to be able to do after this, and I just think... All the encouragement that I can give to just think outside the box and go big and go for your other dreams. I know that, you know, dancing professionally is a huge one and it takes up a huge amount of time, but there's definitely life after cheer, right? And speaking of which, you guys, the career panel episode that I'm trying to plan is coming together very nicely. I'm so happy about it. I'm not going to say names yet, but I have two people that have confirmed uh, wonderful people that are former dancers and just have amazing careers. And I'm so excited for this. It might end up being, you know, later in January, just depending on scheduling, I might do it as a bonus episode, but definitely, you know, in January, 2021 to get everybody energized and 
going for the gusto, whether they're launching a business or whatever they're doing, I think this should be a really great conversation. And I, again, encourage anybody who has a role model that you know used to be a professional cheerleader dancer that you would like me to reach out to be a part of the panel, do let me know. I mean, there's so many dope people. Like, I feel like professional dancers have like such amazing backgrounds and different careers and have done such cool things. So there's a plenty to choose from. So it's good. I think it'll help me narrow down who can be a part of this episode. So I do encourage you to let me know if there's somebody that you're just dying to hear their story or think would be a great addition to the career panel. But you guys are in for a big fat treat. Big fat treat. So excited about it. But thanks for joining. I appreciate you. And I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Just take it easy. Watch 12 Dates of Christmas with your family. It's not like trash reality TV. So you could watch it with your grandma and not be embarrassed. But anyway, let's get into this interview with Marcus. So this, you guys are in for a treat. And I'll see you guys next time around. Hi. Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Well, welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You guys, I have Marcus Anthony Sophus with us, and you are an amazing commercial dancer. You also have experience in the pro cheer world. So I just welcome you to the podcast and can't wait to share your story and ask a million and one questions. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what are you up to now? You're in LA, you're on lockdown. Like, tell us about yourself and and then we'll dig into all my questions. Ooh, okay, as far as right now, what is concerned? Uh, so yeah, we are on lockdown in LA. It is like apparently the epic center for the COVID right now. Round um, zero, they say. Yes, but um, luckily, I mean, production is still open a little bit and they're doing the safety precautions of testing and all of that. So literally, I mean, I could possibly still get a gig or just a visual working with a choreographer and that's pretty much what I was doing like today. I had a rehearsal this morning at 9 a.m. for a, a Christmas visual that we shoot tomorrow. So it's like we still have to take the precautions of wearing our mask and stuff like that. But as far as during the pandemic, I've just been staying creative and trying to make sure dance is still my passion. Good, and good. Beating everything else. That's about it. Me and my dog. That's it. Where's your dog? What kind of dog? I have a pug. I have a pug. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Her name's Texas. Her name's Texas. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. I like that. I like that. When you're actually doing these visuals, I mean, I've been curious, there's been videos where people have been dancing with masks, videos where they've been without them. Like, how difficult is it, if at all, to to do what you do and kind of going through all these protocols? I mean, it sounds like it would naturally be pretty hard. Of course it is. Dancing with a mask on is just an extra layer of just being out of breath. But um, as far as like everything else is concerned, I mean, It's extra steps, of course. It's like, oh, now I have to go get a test prior to this day of rehearsal, or I might not get the gig and I need to make time in my regular schedule to go get the testing. Or sometimes they include it into the production value of it. So like before you show up to set, sometimes there'll be like someone there to set that will do the test for you and then or temperature checks, things like that. As far as like when it comes to rehearsals and things, like sometimes they do require you to have a, a test done before you even show up to rehearsal or before they even book you for the gig. Because if they mm-hmm. test you, if you test uh, positive, they have to find a replacement as soon as possible. So those are some of the things. Dancing with a mask on in rehearsals for six to nine hours, it's it's crazy. It depends on the type of mask you wear. I like, I have a particular like practice mask, I call it. It's like fabric material. And I thought it was lighter, but until you almost choke on it, you know how like it just, you, you suck it in. 
yeah. in, I was like, woo. But um, yeah, it's been those things. And then like, there's times when you're on set and it's like, you have to dance with your mask on, like as far as rehearsing, but when the camera comes on, you take it off. Love, you know, got it, got it. Those type of things. But this is a new lifestyle. It really is. But yeah. they say Missy Elliott makes her dancers train in their mask anyway. So, I mean, I guess we're just preparing for Missy Elliott's rehearsals right now. <laughs> Wow, wow. Well, I mean, it's interesting to hear what it's like. Have you had any like exposure to it in the sense that maybe things kind of got rocky in that way or I don't really knock on some wood? <laughs> I don't think I have. I mean, there's been times where like I've genuinely might have woken up like I've been exhausted or something and I've woken up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I don't feel good today. And I'm like, oh, I hope I'm not exposed. But it's like I have rehearsal and you have to like retrace your steps, but you also have to be like, okay, I got to think smart for everyone else and I got to think smart for myself. Right. So it's like, do I call the choreographer and say like, hey, I'm not feeling right today or because I could be just panicking. But it's like with COVID-19, it's kind of like you have to take the proper steps. Or yeah. if not, it's like, do I go to rehearsal? Do I stay away from everybody? Do I, you know, keep my mask on the entire time? Don't touch anything, hand sanitizer down. Like, what do I do? Until like I can officially go get a test and then find yeah. out if it's it's like you don't want to lose the opportunity, but you want to okay. keep like it's so much going on in your head. Okay, it's, I'm like stressed out listening, but I totally can imagine all those competing considerations and you're trying to listen to your body, which you might just be physically exhausted from rehearsals or just, you know, preparing for your jobs and then gosh, and knowing how to communicate and how forthright to be. And then if they just I'm sure they're gonna probably more so just for logistics, kind of not like wipe you off a list, but just move on to the next person because they don't Absolutely. have to run the wait for you to be well, the wait for you to be tested. Mm -hmm. um, wow, that's a lot to, to juggle and balance, but I'm glad you've been able to do it in a healthy manner and and taking care of yourself because that's, that's stressful because this is your income too. So you're trying to, yeah. Are you also balancing a, a job as well with all your different commercial? I am, I am. So I'm a and of many talents. Uh, okay. my, my friends We're going like, to get to your talents too because that list of skills was crazy. My, my friends like to say like, I'm crazy. Like I just have a lot of jobs. My nickname used to be the American boy because they just said like, I just do everything. So the start of COVID, I was a tour manager, like a producer. I was producing a kids dance competition for Kids Artistic Review. And um, what I did was I was on the road from January to July and I would do like backstage management for the dance competition. Okay. Um, in March, I flew to New York, and as soon as I flew to New York, that's when COVID struck. So as soon as I got off the plane, I literally had to get right back on the plane to head back to LA because we were going on shutdown. So oh. I was doing that naturally. Um, and then Kids Artistic Review, they tried to tweak the shows to where they, when they announced production was back in action, they did mm -hmm. like COVID style shows. So basically they took precautionary measures, reshaped everything, and that's where we were gonna start doing that as well. So I have done a couple COVID shows as far as the dance competitions were concerned, where it's like one studio at a time, they perform all of their dances and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm juggling that as well. Then on the side of that, I also picked up the job of being a virtual learning assistant. So like kids that are in virtual school, um, just helping out kids. And it's kind of like being a personal assistant to a family, basically. Okay. And just make sure if they need anything, like you take care of it, a manny basically okay so well, that's that necessary this oh. i mean luckily my kids are older but for sure for people who are struggling to because you can't have all those interruptions during your day if you're trying to work yep. i would imagine that market is probably pretty hot in terms of trying to get people to come help well a with the great kids. way to make sure i still have income coming in during the yeah. uh, pandemic so it was it was a blessing that they kind of adapted to the situation and then as far as the nanny situation that was also being juggled 
Then I also decided I wanted to tap back into my directing and videography and editing and creative directing. So um, I just took it upon myself to just like reach out to artists through social media. And I was like, hey, like, I love this song that you have. Virtual concerts or virtual like visuals are the new thing. Like, can I create a concept for you? Like I have this idea of this track and yeah, I found an artist and she let me do like some virtual uh, live performances for it. And I did the creative direction, the set design and all that. So I was juggling that too. And then it's like, I started my own business. Quarantine, honestly, because I'm naturally used to being on the road for work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just seems like a very long extended vacation because I was very exhausted. I'm not gonna lie, 2019, I was really exhausted. I was okay. traveling Friday through Monday and then Monday through Thursday for two separate jobs. So, oh, wow. so I would only sometimes. Did you got Texas this whole time? No, 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 no. I got Texas. Okay. I was about to say, how did you manage? Okay. Yeah, I got Texas during the pandemic. Uh, so okay. that was one of the things I was like, you know what? I'm home. Like, I can yeah. take It's kind of like an extended vacation. And I know I have so much to offer. It's just like, now how do I manage it and kind of distribute it equally so mm-hmm. that I can still fuel these passions? Oh, okay. yeah. And then I forgot. I'm also a, a media correspondent, like MC, a host. Okay. So I was hosting um, virtual parties on Zoom for a company uh, that does music festivals normally or DJs. Oh and my gosh, what's, what's that like? That was fun. I mean, it's pretty fun. I like to give energy to people. Mm-hmm. So when they actually- Already, I'm already like, let me take some notes. <laughs> so, when the, so when the DJ company reached out to me and they was like, hey, Marcus, we have this idea of doing like virtual parties for companies or social dis-dancing is what they were calling it. Um, okay. They were like, we want you to host it. And I was like, Okay, so we did the first one, which was like a music festival gone virtual. Um, that one had like a lot of attendees. And then that turned into companies reaching out like uh, Nick's Cosmetics and L'Oreal and all of them. And like uh, the executive producers of The Bachelor, like I hosted all of those parties. And then from there, like that landed me getting other jobs as far as like speaking roles and commercials and stuff. Like the pandemic has been fun-ish. I was about to say, it sounds like you're, you know. It's just weird. I love people. Too bad. That's awesome. You just don't have the people interaction. And I I love like people. So it's like weird. Yeah. And creating that virtually, especially if you are, you know, in the role of an MC or host and giving that energy. And and that's why I just really admire everybody that's been able to work through this space creatively. Because, you know, if you're wearing a mask, you're having to serve so much more expressively from like your nose up to try to connect with people. And then if you're doing you know, the type of work that you're doing in terms of parties or just different events virtually, you're you're just trying so hard to connect people. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that kind of stuff happened. I probably would never be invited, obviously, to that type of stuff. But but that's cool, though. That's really cool. So you've been working. Yeah, I've been working. So you've had an amazing commercial career. We'll get more into it, obviously. But let's get back to like how you got started. So you have been dancing all your life or what's your story in terms of your training and background? This is pretty easy. Okay. So pretty easy, but pretty lengthy too. So as a kid in elementary school, when I started dancing, I think it was around the age of like five or six, I went to to a performing arts elementary school in Houston, Texas. Um, That was Burst Elementary, first dance teacher, Miss Faluke, lover to death. And we still talk till this day. And Mm -hmm. that was the start of my dance career. Then when it came to middle school, I did not dance at all. Um, High school, I didn't for the first. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You're, you're fast. I'm gonna have to go. Like, boop, boop. But why didn't you dance in middle school? Not, middle school is a tough age, obviously. But I just think like if my family believed in my dancing as they do now, when I was a kid, uh, I think it would be a different story. Like because I had the passion for dance because when I was a kid, I was the only male dancer in my dance class in elementary school. 
Got it. I had the passion to be a dancer as a kid, but I think if my family would have taken me more seriously mm -hmm. as a kid, I would have had a better experience of just dancing throughout all of my years. All of your years, yeah. right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, but um, I didn't dance in middle school because the particular school I went to didn't offer it. And then when I got to high school, you know, I just kind of lingered around the high school dance team, but I did not dance. And then mm -hmm. I just started helping the dance team. And then that went from that to me taking dance class in high school. And I got more comfortable with dance again. And when I graduated high school, I started dancing as a hobby for a dance team called So Real Dance Crew. They're known for their reign on like uh, MTV's America's Best Dance Crew. Okay. Um, I think season one or either season two. Um, so they were like the it crew from Houston, Texas, and they had a studio in Houston. So I started going there after high school, just as a hobby, sometimes on the weekday, sometimes on the weekend, never consistent. And then one day they were having auditions for a team. I decided I was going to join and I did. I made the team and they were like, oh, you're so good. Great. Cool. Like this was a stage of me not knowing what I wanted to do dance wise or me not being sure if I wanted to know. So I was like, I didn't really know what good was. I didn't know like if I was picking up choreography fast or not. So right. no, like, I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I get to college. So I get to college. I, go, I went to Prairie View Anum University. Okay. Yeah, uh, HBCU. Woo -woo. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I went to college and that's where dance just was not even a thing in my head. Like it was not a thing. I've always known since high school what I wanted to do. And that was being a journalist, a news reporter, radio personality, like all of it. I ended up being like campus activities board, you know, student government association, radio. Uh, I was marketing chair for the radio station. I was also a radio host. So all of those things. And then I started hosting on campus. So that led to me like kind of interacting with celebrities a little bit more. Like we would have concerts and stuff that would come up. And then I would host hump days, which is like this big uh, like event every Wednesday on our campus. And I just became that guy, the Marcus the American Boy, who was the MC on campus, who just always hosted every event, everything. And that started my like connection realm. So like I used to host concerts for Juicy J, L. Varner, Waka Flocka, Paul Wall, like all of these different artists. And I would make the networking connection to them. I remember like Juicy J and L. Varner, they got together and their management sent me like, I think they split like a check and they gave me a check and I bought my first car. That was like the first time I bought my car. Yeah. Wow. That was pretty cool. When it got to, I think my junior year of college, I was like, you know, struggling. I was struggling. I'm not going to lie. I was struggling in college. Struggling academically? Um, so struggling? what's funny is it was more so my personal life that was struggling. And then that started to affect my academics because of the living situation that I had. And um, we could- about junior year, man? I feel like- for me, my junior year of college was where was the rough one for me too. Like, yeah. and I feel like different conversations, if it seems like that year is always the tough one. Yeah. So I randomly saw an audition. Uh, I think one of the cheerleaders who went to my college ended up living in Dallas and he had posted on Instagram at this time. He was like, I think I'm going to audition for the Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue. So mm -hmm. I clicked the link and I got to Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue, first and only to hip hop dance team in the NFL. And I was like, hmm. So at this point, I actually had a friend who was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Her name's Dara McFarlane. Okay. She was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I met her through my dance teacher in high school, who was a Houston Rockets power dancer. And I was like, cool, let me, let me text her. So I text Dar and I was like, hey, what do you know about the Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue? And she was like, oh, they're amazing. I love the director, Jenny. She's awesome. Like, they're so cool. I was like, well, they're going co-ed this year. And I'm thinking about going to audition. I didn't even realize that they were 
previously all female. So there was always a separate female dance team. So it started as a all female dance team for the Dallas Desperados, which was in, I think, an AFL football team. Got it. Got it. Okay. And the Cowboys opened their new stadium. It transitioned over to Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue. And got that was the girls. And then they did a rebranding in 2015. And that's when it became co ed. Trying to prepare for our chat today, I was saying that they were formed in 2009, and I was like, dang, I don't remember the co ed aspect of the team being around that long. So that's a good clarification because I was like, how did I miss this? But anyway, keep going, keep going. So um, I'm thinking about audition. She was like, you should definitely do it. Go for it. Let me know how it goes. I was like, cool. I actually found out about the audition on a Monday. And on that Monday, I also had just started a job working for FedEx Office. FedEx office apprenticeship, I started literally on that Monday. And I think I started like on my birthday or something. And that Thursday, I, I mean, I literally had to go to my boss and was like, hey, I just found out about an audition. I want to go to Dallas and audition for the Dallas Cowboys. They were like, go. I was like, cool. So Thursday, I drove down to Dallas. And yeah, I remember the audition. I remember everything about it, being there. About it. Thinking about it now, it's it was just amazing. Like I showed up to Valley Ranch, which was the old Dallas Cowboys headquarters. And I'm not even gonna lie, uh, growing up as a kid in Texas, that love dance, I literally could kid you not. The Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders were like the team, like the team, yeah. the American sweethearts, like literally America's team. Like, uh, it was the team. I always used to say like, I wanna be the first male Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I don't care. I knew I had kicks that could go all the way back behind my head. And, I always used to watch GCC making the team and just like pulling up to Valley Ranch. I was like, wow, like this is the Dallas Cowboys headquarters. Like, I remember like walking in, I had on my Soul Real dance team shirt because I know everyone knew who Soul Real was. I just remember meeting all of the vets on the team and mm-hmm. like, you know, you click through the Instagram page, you watch videos and you see pictures of people. And there was one girl who stood out to me. Her name is Jessica Stewart. She became like my lifelong friend. She stood out to me and I remember walking in and I seen her and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's Jessica Stewart. Like she's like... <laughs> I think someone saw my shirt and they were like, oh, I'm not standing next to you. And I was like, what? Don't do that. Like, no, 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 no. Like, no. like, don't do that. Like, no. So ah, it was one of the most like amazing experiences. And yeah, I remember after the first day, some of the vets coming up to him was like, yo, Jenny loves you. Like, she really likes you. And I'm like, ah, I, like, I don't even know what this means. Like, it was my first big audition. I'm just like, you like put dance a little bit on the back burner too, just yeah. based on all your activities in college. Always, you have danced in a while too. And I always just- used to say dancing was just a hobby. Like, everyone in my family, like all my friends, they knew, like, oh, he can dance. But I'm like, it's just a hobby. Like, cause I was so focused on other things, like, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be on the radio and do all of that. So, it was just one of those things where you just like didn't believe that dance was your passion. It's was your passion. So you just got to find yourself. Yeah. I mean, especially it's something where it's like, I can actually make a living from doing this or I can pursue one of the biggest teams in sports and be a part of that team. So you make the team. Tell yeah. us about that. So, um, yeah, we go through the audition process and they send us back home. They say finals are in a week. So I go back to Houston and I'm like, oh my God, like I made it to finals. So I come back to Dallas now a week later and, you know, you go over the routine all week long, you come back for finals. And then we have this live final draft day audition in front of like 10,000 people, I think five or 10,000 people. Oh, wow. That's how they did the audition? Because it was draft day held at the stadium where it was like big open to the public, you know, right on the same plaza that you dance on during game day. So it was like that vibe. And then it just so happened to be broadcast on NFL Network, like commercial breaks and stuff. I was like, oh, 
gosh. So, um, what a stage already. Like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. We do two auditions. We do a personal audition, which was up close and personal with the judges downstairs. And then we came upstairs to do a audition in front of the audience. So stage presence, basically. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, sweat bullets. She's just sweat bullets. And the crowd's like screaming, you know, everything's going crazy. You have the, the MC, everything. And me, I'm like a production nerd. So I'm like looking at the stage. I'm looking at the lights. I'm looking at the DJ. I'm looking at the host, like the judges, where they're standing, like the barricades, like I'm all about everything. I'm just a sponge when I'm in situations like that. So yeah, the audition goes off. They picked us for training camp. So Holy you guys have to do the training camp too? Yeah, I we think do. they just picked the team. No, I'm kidding. But I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's like stress. Okay. Stress. Okay. Okay, stress. Like it just keeps going. Exactly. But, yeah. So as soon as I made it to training camp, I was like, I'm moving to Dallas. Like I know it. I'm moving to Dallas. Wow. And how long did they stretch out? The training camp process i believe training camp was anywhere between two three or four weeks and i always marvel at that because it's just like you literally are kind of putting your life on temporary hold and having to relocate and do all these things to kind of endure that and not knowing your fate night after night or week on end that's kind of crazy but so now i mind you i just had started a job. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> i literally i was like so i made it to training camp and i'm moving to dallas can i transfer they're like yeah you're not in 60 days i was like Okay, so how do we do this? He's like, do a resignation, and then you go hire. I do a recommendation, and they hire. Boom. Oh, okay, okay. It was just that easy. And then it was like my transition was so fast. I stayed with my same friend that I stayed with for auditions for about three months, I want to say, while mm -hmm. I was finding an apartment and everything, getting everything in order. And yeah, that was the start of my adulthood. I think I was only 20 years old. Wow. Yeah, I was only 20. And so I had tell, tell me where college fits in in this then. Did you decide to take a break or were you still I in school? Like I said, the living situation affected my academics. And then as soon as my academics were affected, um, I mean, I tried everything from like college pageants where you can rent scholarships. And they were just like, we wanted you to win this pageant, but you can't do it because your GPA is sliding. And I'm like, oh. I know. And the thing was, everyone knew me as the guy who loved school, but it's just one of those things where your personal life really did take a toll on my academics. Yeah. yeah. I had the worst year ever at Georgetown academically that year. And I mean, I was a nerd, but hey, when things aren't going right, it impacts you. And, and it's crazy because like still to this day, I say like, I want to go back to school and I want to finish because I just love it so much. But mm -hmm. it's like now that I'm in the field of like where I want to be, it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> do, you, do you really want to do you need to do it? Like, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So yeah. So you're 20 years old, you move to Dallas, you start this pro cheer dance career with one of the biggest teams. I have so many questions about Dallas Rhythm and Blues. Even hosting this podcast for two years, I think Brittany and I used to talk about it our first year, just like, we can't forget about DC Rhythm and Blue, but it's just easy to be overlooked. But there's so many questions that I have about the experience, where you perform, like, I don't even know where to begin. So tell me like, your game day experience, I mean, knowing that the DCC has their whole thing, but I want to be in like DCC rhythm and blue world for a minute and hear what it was like being a part of that team. Yeah, so Dallas Cowboys rhythm and blue, honestly, was every time I think about it, like it's just a, a big joy to me. Like, oh, it was mm -hmm. crazy. My first year was like totally amazing. It's your rookie year. You go in, you don't know what to expect. And, you know, there's a lot of learning because you have to learn a lot of old routines, new routines, like all of it. Um, but it's honestly one of those things where it's just like you just be a sponge and uh, the thing about me is like I'm a giver too so like 
if I know certain things or like if I'm very detailed and like stuff like that or whatever. So it's like, I'm a giver. I love to give. So I was one of those people who just wanted to be involved. Like if there was merchandise I could create, I was creating merchandise. If there was like, you know, mm-hmm. different way marketing opportunities for us. Cause I went to school for mass communications, business and marketing. As okay. a double major minor. So it was just like one of those things where if I knew there was a marketing opportunity, I was trying to do it. To me, Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue was the team. I love this team. Like, we are good. Like, we are really good. And it's like, why do not a lot of people not know about us? Not us, yeah. So, yeah, I was just one of those givers on the team, but I was also being like a sponge as well. Mm-hmm. And my first year was amazing. Like, from the moment we found out we actually made the team to the first game day, which was like preseason, because preseason is not like a normal game day. There's barely people there, you yeah. know. It's mm-hmm. trying to get out your game day jitters, and it's something about those plazas. We So we dance about seven times. I think we rotate, like we'll do like four dances or three dances, and we'll rotate them. And we'll dance three times on the west side of the plaza, which is outside of the stadium. We dance okay. on the east side of the plaza three times, and then we'll go upstairs to the landing and perform on uh, for a live shot and then we'll do like a parade performance and stuff throughout the stadium is the landing part where the dancers are today like the dcc like that big long strip or is that that no. stadium i can't wait to finally so, just see it because it's humongous it's and massive, it's but but yes. there's a different platform for you guys to be able to perform so i was a rookie on the dallas cowboys rhythm and blue uh the cheerleaders actually weren't dancing on those landings anymore they're a little platform anymore Mm-hmm. something about like an insurance policy or something but um oh, it. so they went stayed on the sidelines and things like that but then now they re-switched it of course due to coronavirus so I was like oh that's cool like I'm antsy to see it myself yeah but um, the stadium so it's so beautiful so in the end zones where the field goes are behind those there's seating that goes up but there's also like each level of the stadium has a different landing so there's like Dr. Pepper, mm-hmm. Miller Lite, AT&T, Ford like marketing wise. Marketing like I, meta. Oh my gosh. Like, it, I, yeah. know. I studied marketing in, t- in college, but like, it's just a mastermind. It's, anyway. We would dance on the landing and then we would also dance on the plazas. Plazas are these stages that are built on the outside of the stadium for like pregame festivities. Uh, so amazing. It was oh, just a crowd, everything. So preseason, it was a little like, get your jitters out, like feel mm-hmm. the performance, feel the stage value. But I literally will have a day probably once every month or twice a month where I just sit and I watch every single performance from DC Rhythm Blue that we did. And I literally just drown. I'm, I'm like, wow, like, oh, we were so good. Like, oh my gosh, like first game day. I'm like, man, we went hard. Yeah, I just remember like my first game day. I do remember Ro, he's the like the director of the drum line. And he came up to me, I remember he was just like, man, you just killed it, man. Like, God, he's like, I was like, what? It's like, you don't get to see it until you play back video and you're like, what? I did that. First game day, like, that was amazing. Um, So really, I think like my first year on the team was more so like just getting out the jitters, learning the structure. And I think one of my favorite things about DC Rhythm Blue is the rehearsal etiquette. Mm-hmm. The rehearsal etiquette that I still use it till this day, or even if I'm leading rehearsals, I still use it till this day. If a choreographer asks me to clean, I use Jenny's way, Jenny's way, Jenny's way. Like okay, it's it. literally the sh- like rehearsal etiquette is everything. And I'm one of those people like I like I said I give energy. So when I'm in a rehearsal, I love to crack jokes. I love to like make sure everyone's like not uncomfortable. If I see someone struggling, I like to help. Right. I can do all of that. But you know, it's kind of there's a time and a place to do it as well. But, you know, DC Rhythm Blue taught me that and the structure of rehearsal and just rehearsal etiquette. And it taught me how to be a student, but it also taught me how a a choreographer or teacher is supposed to teach as well. So, like, if I'm in a class and a teacher's not teaching the way, not the way that I'm used to, but the way that I 
think works best for others i'm like ooh, they could do that better like you know things like that so yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Penny seems awesome. She seems like an amazing leader. She is. I literally just posted a dance video yesterday and she commented on it. She's like, yes, you messed up so smart. And she's like, I have feedback. I'll send soon. I'm like, yes, just like old times. Give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, that was my first year. My first year was really amazing. It was a learning experience. It was me being a sponge. It was me learning the structure, the organization, um, how things were ran and stuff like that. And yeah, it was pretty awesome. Wow. So you did three seasons with them. Is that right? I did. So how did you end up walking away from it? What happened was um, the third year, was it? Yes, the third year, I actually began working for the Dallas Cowboys as well. Oh, so okay. yeah, the Dallas Cowboys had just relocated to their new headquarters in Frisco, the star at Frisco. And uh, in the process of them doing that, they had started the first and only private members club associated with the NFL organization. So it was called, it's kind of like the Soha House, basically. You always... Uh -huh. you, you hear about the Soha House, which is a private select members club, VIP clients, you know, membership only kind of thing. They started that at the headquarters at the Star called Cowboys Club. So I was the social and member events coordinator for Cowboys Club. I started off, which is weird because they were only looking for servers and stuff. Like, so I was always a server. I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings. I worked at FedEx at the same time when I was on the team. And then, yeah, I found out about serving at the Cowboys headquarters and I was like, cool I might as well do that like it's, it's fine dining it's a different experience I've never done fine dining so I was like might as well I get hired as a server and I spent about I think six weeks six weeks as a server and they found out that I like love production like I had a, a thing for production value and creating events like event design and all of that so they started a position social member events coordinator I literally had a desk in the office in the Dallas Cowboys headquarters. Oh my gosh. That was a whole different experience too. So when you work for the team at your desk, you have a locker room header and it has like the, I still have it is in my closet. Um, oh but yeah, so like, cool. and that was a whole nother experience. Like now I got to work closely with the Jones family because I was like doing events for, you know, their club. I was literally helping raise a new baby from the ground up. That was about to be this whole entire like thing. Like we've had JLo there. Like we've had the mayor of Frisco. Like all stuff. the executives, uh, NFL executives, and everything. And I was the guy that was creating events for these members. You know, so so dope. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, that I was at 23. So I was 23. It was that was a whole nother experience for me because like I really got to work corporate. And then it was that thing where I was literally working upstairs nine to five. I mean, I would change clothes downstairs at the headquarters, go downstairs to rehearsal. And then sometimes I would have to get dressed right back in my office clothes, go back upstairs and finish the day because yeah. I was I was running events. And it was funny because like, you know, the director of the club, her name is Stacey Bauer. She used to work for Tom Colicchio and she used to run the Soho houses. And she it was like private members club royalty, like restaurant royalty. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool, like to see her. I was a sponge again. She taught me so much about structure and work and um, events and elegancy of like restaurant and fine dining and mm. all of that. So yeah, she used to just sit in the little window and watch us at the field, rehearse and stuff. And it was just pretty cool experiences because I would come back upstairs and members would be like, did I just see you? On the I'm like, yeah. That's like, awesome. Yeah, it's it was like, like the perfect marriage of all of your background and expertise and just an elite organization, obviously, too. Wow. I was a 23-year-old in heaven. When I tell you the Dallas Cowboys is forever engraved in my heart, like, it was one of those things where my family was so proud. Like, I'm 23. I'm working for one of the top NFL organizations in the world. And I'm like, 
dancing. I still get to do what I love. I still get to, you know, work in the restaurant industry. I get to work in production. I get to work in events. I get to, you know, market like all of this. I get to network and make connections. Like I still talk to some of my members and clients till this day. Like it's, it's amazing. Uh, and was that just from you putting your interests or expertise and background out there? I mean, here you are in a server role and they create a position essentially for you based on your background when this opportunity came up. Like, what would you attribute that to? Just putting it out there or what do you, what Honestly, would you say? So like I said, anytime I do anything, I'm always a giver. I just give. I don't know why I keep saying that, but it's weird. I love it. That's going to be the theme of the episode. Yeah. Every situation I'm in, I give. So as a server, if I, I'm paying attention to everything that's around me. The club wasn't open yet, but there was a situation during training where we were training at service and I overheard them saying like, oh, we need to get these menus printed. We haven't gotten our menus printed yet. And I'm like, hey, um, I work for FedEx. I do graphic design and all this stuff. And I, I can design the menu for you and I can have them printed and I can just bring them back tomorrow when I get to work. And they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I have a FedEx office right down the street. I was a manager of a FedEx office. Like I, I can just go there now and just do it. And it's like, okay. So everybody, I remember all the servers leaving for training. I'm sitting down with the director of Cowboys clubs who was very scary to me. She's like Meryl Streep in a Devil Wears Prada. Like she walks, oh, I'm so serious. I'm like so serious. Girls. Really? Okay. She walks, the, she walks in the room. She has her blazer over her shoulder, her leather jacket. She's like, you know, speaking fan spotless, touching the tables, making sure it's not dusty. And it's like, she comes in and everyone's like, tense but the thing was it's not like she scared me it was just like I'm about to get her to warm up to me don't worry we like we gonna get yeah. so I literally like I showed her like I can design this menu and you know I can get it printed all of that and I did I got like a thousand menus printed in the night brought them the next day and she was like Marcus has saved the day we have menus for the club we can do our family and friends night we can open da 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 I was like dang that's crazy and then I start hearing talk about events like they need to come up with member events and I'm like well we can do this and I I literally walked up to her and I was like I really want to be on the membership team and she's like oh give me six months give me da 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 and at one point they started doing interviews and I was like I'm just gonna interview I'm just gonna interview just put me down for an interview so I literally told them my spill of like campus activities being in college and creating these events all of my uh, the student activities and stuff and hosting and things like that and that was the start of that part. Wow. I'm excited to share this with people because it's just inspiring, right? Like I don't hear any limits in your way of thinking really through this whole conversation and all the different opportunities that came your way just by virtue of you coming with a mindset of giving, not really like, how can I get mine? How can I come up? How can I do this, that, and the third? I just think it's a very, very inspiring story to share with people as to like how you can navigate and how opportunities really come about. Cause I think they do open up when you have the right mindset and you're not afraid, you know? Yeah. yeah. I've always been a networker, but I never think of it as networking. I like to actively listen to people and mm-hmm. if I overhear there's a lack for something and I know I can feel it. I think I just do it naturally. Right. I'm like, I can help you. If I know I can get it done and I know I can help and if I know it's going to benefit all of us in the long run, like I knew they wanted to have family and friend VIP night before we opened. They wanted the family to taste the menu. So it was like one of those things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, we can't open and I can't really make no money if I'm like, you know, you know, so it's like, like, how can we all benefit from this situation? I'm like, I have the resources to do it. So let's just do it. And when I tell you like hosting those events in the Cowboys club, I mean, I've met a lot of like Dallas Cowboys greats, even Kelly Finglass and Judy Tremel. The moment I got to start hosting events with the Dallas Cowboys, like I remember my first time seeing the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders uniform in person. I literally just wanted to touch it. That's all I wanted to do. Like <laughs> it feels so good. It, it really does. It feels really, really good. Mm-hmm. And 
I think at the time, like one of my favorite Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders was JC Scott. And oh, I had her on the show. I'm obsessed with her. She's yes, like she's like an, a walking angel. Just listening to her sorry. voice and her angelic face and just like reminds me of Whitney Houston. She reminds me of Whitney Houston so much. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm telling you, the Dallas Cowboys organization is just, oh, it's forever like amazing. I'm friends with so many people from it. It's one of the best bridges I've ever walked across ever, ever, ever in my life. Wow. That experience just sounds like one of a kind. I mean, you can't recreate that for anybody, no, you know, like, no. wow, being a part of, you know, the Rhythm and Blue as they're going co-ed and also being able to be part of the organization, working corporate and a new venture of having like this club, like. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot. Wow. It was really wow. a lot. So then as my position grew larger with the Dallas Cowboys, as far as like work-wise, I noticed it started to affect a little bit of my aspect with the team. Sometimes like I would be literally in the middle of an event and I would have to change clothes super fast to get to rehearsal. And I might've been like five minutes late, you know, because okay. I'm like upstairs and then I'm running downstairs. But you know, it's crazy. I knew it was at that point where I was like in rehearsal, like I'm looking upstairs in the window because the club had like this view. And if we had an event in that particular area of the club, I was like looking up there like, is everything running smooth? Like, you know, like, oh, got it. Got you. Yeah, yeah. I think it was around like Christmas time where we, we had like this big Christmas extravaganza for the Dallas Cowboys. And I was like upstairs doing Christmas events for the club. And I was coming downstairs dancing at the Christmas uh, event. Then I would change right back clothes and go right back upstairs to the Christmas event. And okay, that's chaos. So Switching your brain from like dance mode, being meticulous about your routines and your performance worrying about how the event is going, switching it. Oh my goodness. I balanced it really, really well. I really did. And then there was Dallas Cowboys hosted the NFL draft. So in 2018, the Dallas Cowboys hosted the NFL draft and uh, Jackie Bob Pearson worked for a company called E2K Entertainment. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I started working for E2K Entertainment. <laughs> I was one of the PAs for the NFL draft for 2018 in Dallas. So there was this big dilemma where I had to host the NFL executives at the club, which was in Frisco, Texas, but I also had to produce the NFL draft, which was in Arlington, Texas. That was about an hour drive away. And my boss told me, she's like, I need you here. And I was like, they need me here. And I was like, what do I do? So I literally put in my letter of resignation from the club that day. Mm -hmm. It was something where I literally thought about one team versus what thir is it 32 teams in the nfl yes 32. see i passed my uh, football test I okay <laughs> i've been like 26 but that's in my head because of the number that have cheerleaders but yes go ahead <laughs> so i put in my letter of resignation with the cowboys club and then i also left the team because this was in april so this is after the season oh, after the season ended okay yeah then there was the nfl draft so i did the nfl draft and then i was like okay, this epic moment is over. Like, what do you do? I had traveled to Las Vegas for a workshop. It was called the J-Lo Dancers Experience because she was doing her live residency in Vegas. In Vegas, okay, that makes sense. This is so weird how small the world is. But one of the security guards at the AT&T Stadium, his nephew is Jimmy Rose. I don't know if you know who J-Rose. He dances for J-Lo. He's a really known dancer in the professional dance world. Okay. So his nephew is Jimmy. We went to the workshop and I think that's when I fell in love with the professional commercial dance aspect. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, so I get to Vegas and I take the workshop and I meet Jimmy and I'm like, yo, hey, your uncle is kind of like my uncle. Like I see him every game exiting out of the stadium. He's our security guard. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's like told me about you guys, like things like that. And it just so happens Jimmy went to Prairie View. It just so happens that Jimmy, uh-huh. it, it just so happens that Jimmy was a drum major because I was a drum major as well. Oh, wait, I forgot to say that. So, say see, I need to just interrupt you because I remember thinking when you're telling me about going to Prairie View, I mean, it's an HBCU. You have this dance background. I'm kind of like, why wasn't he like in the band or doing? I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Okay, Marcus, in don't let happen again. Where, okay. this, really, this is really where you're gonna hate me. In high school, in <laughs> high school, so I, was, no, I'm kidding. I, I was in band in elementary school. I totally forgot about this. How did I forget about this? Okay. I, was in, I was in band in elementary school. And then back door in high school, I was in band as well. Unfortunately, I did not do the drum major in college. I wasn't in abandoned college. Okay, was, okay. That was my thing. But yeah, I met Jimmy. He was a drum major at Prairie View. He was a band head just like I was. Um, and he was a dancer. And I talked to him and I got to talk to all of J-Lo's dancers. I networked again and just made that genuine connection. What's crazy is like people say like, you make us feel at home. Like I call it my, just my Southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. I always say like my greatest gift from up above from God is like my personality. That is my biggest blessing. Well, that and my work ethic. I mean, I've been smiling this whole entire time, but you feel like you know you already within like two minutes, basically. That's a gift, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I go to the JLo dancers experience and then it's like, okay, cool, let's move to Vegas. Like <laughs> when I lived in Vegas, I couldn't stand it. I didn't like it. I didn't. Yeah, what's your take on Vegas? My daddy lives there. I've been there plenty of times. Why didn't you like it? So one of the things was the heat. It is definitely a desert. I mean, I used to- Texas, you, you like the humidity and that kind of heat better? Is that I what I prefer uh, the humidity rather than Vegas because Vegas, it feels like someone literally placed a lamp right over your head. When it comes to Texas, it's, you know, there's a little, there's cloudiness that's blowing the direct heat that, and when I tell you like, there was moments where you go grocery shopping and you pick up some deodorant, you pick up some chapstick, and next thing you know, you're in the car and it melts and you got to put it in the freezer when you get home. Like, there's no reason why you should put your personal products in your freezer just to bring them back to life. I literally remember posting that on Instagram. I was like, why do I have to put my deodorant in the freezer? I don't understand. Shea butter. Like, why do I have to put this in the refrigerator? I don't get it. I'm so- sorry. I mean, to laugh. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> but it's so true. It's just like hot for like... It's hot like no good reason and kind of hot. Like, and I mean, at a certain point, you know, I asked my dad, like, can you even tell the difference between like 108 and 115? Like, I mean. You walk outside and it's like, you go, like you try to blow it off you. And it's like, it's not possible. It's not possible at all. Yeah, yeah. Everything's just like, just dry. It just dries your skin, like everything. So I stayed in Vegas for two months. I had a production opportunity to do some uh, production work. I was still working on and off of E2K. I had a production opportunity that led me to the BET Awards. I drove down to LA for BET Awards week. And it's like this big week long production. So I was there and I was like, oh, I'm going to take class. And there was a guy named Dede Coleman, Davion Coleman. He taught (laughs) and I took his class. Fell in love. I remember he put me in a select group. I didn't even know what a select group was. Like in, in Houston, we don't really do select groups. We really just do like this five, that's five, this five, that five, you know, kind of thing. Like one, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, that kind of thing. Right. When I got to LA, like I've never been to like an industry dance class or anything. I loved LA. Like I loved it. So um, I moved to LA and that's when like, I think 
my career just kind of like jumped. I had went to Carnival for the first time and apparently I have an industry twin. His name is Christian Owens. Okay, I'm gonna have to look him up. Christian yeah. Owens? Christian Owens, he's danced for everybody from Beyonce <laughs> to Taylor Swift to Rihanna, all of them. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently he's like my industry twin. And this night I remember going to Carnival and I'm at the bar. Tell everybody what Carnival is just in case they don't so know. Carnival's choreographer's ball is <laughs> this big choreographer's showcase. Yeah. Different, different choreographers in LA or sometimes even from around the world, even a music artist can perform there. They come and they showcase their talent. It's really for art in general. And it's one of the greatest things to be in a room full of dancers and like they'll play music and everyone's just vibing and circles. Like it's what you don't get to see in a small town like Houston, Texas. Well, not small town, but in a sheltered place like Texas because most people when you're in Texas you stay in Texas and uh yeah I go to choreographer's ball and I'm literally at the bar and this random lady runs up to me and she's like Christian oh my gosh I'm like and I'm like hey you know and she literally pulls back and she goes oh my gosh you're not Christian and I'm like no but hi what's your name and I was like I'm Marcus nice to meet you and she's like I'm Jen she said I'm Christian's agent I'm an agent for MSA she goes <laughs> what do you do? Do you dance? Like, da, da, da. I was like, yeah, I'm a dancer. Like, no, I just moved here. Whatever. She's like, here's my card. And she's like, send me an email. We're going to sign you. I was like, what? What's crazy is like, I had did auditions. I drove down from Vegas, did clear auditions. I drove down from Vegas, did, uh, for agencies. You had been trying yeah, to I, I did see auditions and I was like getting no's and I was like, well, this one felt good. And getting the note, like you uh -huh. have to, own resume and I don't really know what a headshot is at this point or how to do a dance resume but I was going down driving back and forth from, uh, from Vegas to LA doing right. all this so now that I had gotten into LA it was like what moment am I going to get signed like I'm waiting on auditions and auditions never really like they they rarely pop up like for agencies, for agencies. Okay. exactly so I sent her this long email is this how you found Lindsay or no, sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. No. So Lindsay, Lindsay actually worked for E2K. I actually worked with Lindsay during the NFL draft in 2018. Oh, God. So it. that was another network that I didn't even know about, you know? But, and then I'm going to throw you off, but I just, when you no, mentioned agencies and like, you know, headshots and whatnot, and I noticed that you shot with Lindsay, I was like, is that how it came together? But yeah. we'll get there too. Go ahead. Yeah. I sent her this long email and I sent links from YouTube. I knew I had commercial experience from Chuck E. Cheese because Jenny, she would choreograph for Chuck E. Cheese and she still does like uh, work for Chuck E. Cheese headquarters in Dallas, Texas. So I would do some Chuck E. Cheese work for her. I knew I had live performance videos because we danced back up for like Duro. I sent her those footage. I knew I had some studio experience. So I sent her some of my LA dance videos and I put together this package and I was like, I'm looking for representation. This is where I want to start. And she said, okay, let's set you up with a meeting. She brought me in and she was like, cool. I love your personality. She signed me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm signed. Like what? Like I got signed. Cool. And then in that mindset, you think automatically like things are just going to start happening. They're just going to start happening. And they don't, they don't, they honestly don't. Most of the time it's word of mouth, honestly. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. But here comes the connections of the life and how it works. So E2K. I get some production gigs with them. I still am doing production. So I still get to work in the industry, the entertainment industry. Right. Then it comes to choreographers. So on Dallas Cowboys Women in Blue, I've worked with Phil Wright, Amari Marshall. We've worked with Alex Fettbroth, Jeremy Finney, Nappy Tabs, because they did a co-production on a halftime show for us. Jesse Lee Santos also did a production. 
we also used to go to Choreographies Crows convention. Oh, yeah. Everybody talks PAD, but there's also some other conventions as yeah. well. So with the Choreography Pros, and that's where I met like people like Miss V. I met Cisco mm-hmm. Rales. I met Tia Tabea. Gosh, I met so many people through there. Oh, Tony G, Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. Tony Gonzalez, he's my mentor now. Like he mentors okay. me. So yeah, um, when I moved to LA, like I ran, I go to Choreographers Carnival and I see Tony and you make it a point to speak because Tony has seen me in my rehearsal stage so they know your work ethic so I would go to their classes and I see Phil and the first time I ever went to Phil Wright's class he was like what you you in LA like you live in LA and I'm like yeah I moved here and he's like take my number here's my number like da 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 so because you know he knows like I know the structure of his rehearsal I know Jenny you know and I know like I know he can get the job done Amari Marshall same thing she's like one of my closest friends like same thing she she's like you live in LA now oh my gosh you're gonna thrive here Alex Fettbrock same thing make sure you come to my class like that. So it was just one of those things. So, oh man, I get signed. And I also, when I was living in Dallas, I also became really good friends with Todrick Hall. So Todrick Hall is originally from Texas. He had a concert in Dallas. So I, I went to the concert and it was just one of those things where I'm, I'm not afraid of celebrity interaction. And that's because yeah. I've been around it since college. Right. So, um, I walk up to him. I, I did a meet and greet. I walk up to him and well, first I think I connected with the dancers. I was like, yo, like y'all are amazing. You know, I danced for the Cowboys out here. And I was like, y'all did amazing. I loved y'all on stage. Like your stage present was awesome. Like this and this and this and that. And I'm friends with those dancers till this day, like till this day. And then so I met Taj, I met the concert and I went backstage and I was like, yo, you're amazing. Like I want to dance for you literally words that just come out of my mouth and I was dancing for the Cowboys at the time so I'm like yeah I dance for the Cowboys here and he's like I'm a huge Cowboys fan like that's my family's team like so it was just one of those things so we connected through social media and stuff and stay connected and every time he came to Dallas I would go to the concert he would let me come backstage meet and greet and stuff and hang out and stuff and same thing with the dancers and eventually one time he had a gig in Dallas and he was looking for dancers and I was like, oh yeah, I'll do it. So I got to do that with, and it was a gig where like Deborah Cox was. It was like for a black tie event and stuff. And that was pretty cool. So when I- I was one of his show when he came to Seattle and I was just so blown away. Same, like I'd heard of him and I knew who he was, but I didn't really know, know how amazingly talented. Mm -hmm. I was so blown away. And like, I I mean, I cried at his concert. I'm like, what is happening? Like, it's such an experience overall. Oh, I never went to was straight out of Oz. And I, his story had resonated with my personal story so much that mm-hmm. I think that was the bridge for me um, to Todrick. And Todrick Hall was my first big gig. I was like, I live in LA now. He was like, you do? And then one day he randomly DM'd me and he goes, you ready? And I was like, yeah. He was like, cool. Got a music video for Nails, Hair, Hips, Heels. I was like, let's do it. So fine, but like you end up getting your own gig just from yeah. connections and relationships. Based off a of word of mouth, I got my own first big gig. And I was like, wow, this is my first time seeing a music video production. Like this is my first time seeing it. And once again, I was a sponge in the situation. I was looking left and right and just soaking yeah. it all in. And that was my first music video. Wow. And, and an epic one. And it was, it was like a viral epic dance music video. With that being my first video, I was just like, I need more. Like, I need more. I know this is what I want to do. So that was it. And from there, I was still taking class. You still audition. And I mean, auditions from everything. And you get no after no after no after no. But it's like, I don't know. It's like fuel to the fire kind of thing. Because mm, I was going to ask about that. 
hearing about your path, it's like you think, like you said, the opportunities are just going to just come and they, you said that they don't, or, you know, you try, you audition for things and it may not work out, but it fuels you and it, it pushes yeah. you. It sounds like more than getting rejected and people question their life choices and, you know, kind of going through that. It's just part of the business, I guess. It's just it the nose and steadily yeah. continuing to go out there. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, it, it just went for me dancing and trying to make sure I'm staying in the studio, but also still trying to make sure I'm working to make sure like, I can, you know, provide for myself at the same time because I wasn't getting gigs. So it was like, what do I do? So I was trying to stay in the entertainment industry and work that way. So I was still working with E2K and still doing like productions for uh, certain things. And at this point in time, I was working for a company as a like traveling like uh, event producer. So I would go to conventions and I would produce events and stuff. So I felt like I was like losing myself with dance because I was so much working a nine to five that I wasn't focusing on like the reason why I actually moved to LA. You know, you get choreographers that actually to be in their visuals and their concept videos, or you get asked to help on set for some things and that's all good, but sometimes you want to dance. But then there was also this one random moment where I'm at my office and I get a phone call we need you to be a red carpet correspondent for an award show. Like we, we know you have media correspondent background. Like, so when I was on Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue Dancers, I was like the front person for marketing. So I would go to radio and news appearances. Mm -hmm. They knew I had that background. Hey, I need you to be a media correspondent for the award show. And we need you on the carpet like by five o'clock. So I lock up my office and I was on the red carpet hosting the live media correspondent for a major award show. And the thing is like me growing up with my family, me and my aunt, we are really big entertainment e-news fans. Like I knew I wanted to be a host of 106 in Park or host of TRL. For that to be my first red carpet experience, I was like, wow, like I want to do this too. So that's when you start kind of like, God, like, are you trying to tell me something? Like, do I, like, should I be dancing? Should I not be dancing? Like, should I be doing it? But I realized I could do all of these things, but I can tie it all into one thing. I know it's possible. Yeah. And yeah. I just, it's just like distributing your time wisely to kind of just make it all tie in together and people just know that I'm capable of doing all of these things. And I always say it in Jesus name, like. Yeah, I mean, you're just so gifted, right? And you have so many different talents and trying to continue to feed and cultivate each talent. Like I hear people when they're commercial dancers, you know, you're constantly taking class so that you can stay sharp and do all these things. And so it's probably just natural talent and gift that you have if you're pulled randomly, like, hey, you did this one thing once or you have this background or this skill and, you have to draw upon that. Like, do you have time to even cultivate the various talents that you have or how do you stay sharp on everything so that if you're called to it, that you can just perform? There's times where I have to put my foot on the gas. And there's sometimes where I have to put my foot on the brake. There's times where like, I overbook myself and I'm like, how are we gonna get out of this one, Marcus? Like, what do you wanna say no to? I have to plan out certain things all the time. I don't stress very easily. Even when I am stressed, I'm trying to plan out everything time slot wise. Like. How much time do I have to get here? How much time do I have to get there? Like, it's just one of those things where if you can do it, you should just do it, honestly. Oh, yeah. If you, yeah, like, if you're like me and you have so many talents to you, a man of many hats, a woman of many hats, I just think you, you don't ever get down on yourself to the point where you just think you can't do everything that you want to do. Because yeah. I wear that proudly on my sleeve that I literally, my name used to be the American boy. I did radio. I love fashion. I love photography I love videography I love editing I love singing I love acting I love dancing so it's like well, they always say you have the same 24 hours in the day as Beyonce do like use your 24 hours so do it and I'm only 26 so I want to keep going because 
Why sleep? What's the point of sleep? <laughs> that's the point. You're lighting a fire under my behind. I'll tell you that. Anyway, that's just the whole of the story. It's, but it's, it's, it's awesome just because you're right. There's no reason that you can't try to do it all. And you just have to be organized and driven enough to figure out how you're going to fit it into your day. It's just that simple. It's time. We all yeah, got time. Exactly. And it's funny because I've always said to people, or I've always said to myself, like every job that I've ever had in my entire life, I've been a sponge in that situation, but I've always paid attention to the operations of each thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. So when I worked as a server, the thing that I took away from being a server was hospitality, customer service, food and beverage like side of it, how to run a restaurant, how to do things like that. When I was working at FedEx, I learned about printing. I learned about shipping, graphic design, same thing, customer service, uh, being hospitable, structure, mm -hmm. like things like that. When I was a, a dancer for DC Rhythm Blue, I learned everything. Like I learned everything the back end of it contract agreements marketing choreography like everything how to book a choreographer to come you know teach and stuff like that like everything uniforms like all of that every job i've ever had in my entire life i've soaked up the knowledge the back end of it just because i wanted to know like how to run my Absolutely. own eventually in, in the end of it my end goal what i want to do is i want to own my own creative headquarters not like a network studio or anything but i want to own my own production headquarters where you can come and you can get styling done you, you can record your album you can get choreography you can get lighting you can get staging you can get all of it like oh, all yeah. of it in one stop shop mm -hmm. so, that's a great ambition yeah and even if i wanted to like run like food and beverage out of that i could run food and beverage out of it because you know they got to have somewhere to eat during their breaks or stuff like that so it's all party for their whatever they produce and it's like exactly. all oh i love it i totally yeah. see so that. i just want one big creative headquarters and i know i'm gonna get there because i've had the knowledge and i remember everything when i started my business an accessory brand that i'm gonna launch in february I was like, I know everything about printing, shipping already. I know everything about graphic designing, everything. I know everything about fabric. I know everything about like, it's, it just all worked out because I know the back end of it already. So I cover my bases and that's that. I think that's why I love listening to stories so much because you just understand, I wouldn't even say how long of a journey life is, but just that every experience that you have in life literally is somehow forming and shaping you, preparing you. And then as you grow and as you mature, you see how all of those connections are intertwined and it just becomes like a beautiful, like symphony almost. So when I listen, it just makes me happy because you just see the beauty of life and how you grow through things and your, your mindset of always being a sponge and learning and giving, sharing your background and your expertise and always being respectful and doing it. Like you said, not like trying to step on people's toes. Like I have this background, so I'm going to tell you what to do. It's just a very beautiful mind space to be in so that you actually are giving and receiving and taking it all in and not taking any experience for granted and not knowing who you'll meet and how that might play out later. And I love that you're not leading with that. It's not like networking so that you can mm -hmm. meet this person, get close to this person. So you could do none of that has been present in the story at all, which is even more amazing. And I hope people take away just too, that it's not so much about trying to reach out and connect to somebody so that you can get something from them. Cause I think, you know, sometimes that gets to be the driving force a lot of times for people. Yeah. Like I said, I just go into a situation and I'm very aware of my surroundings. So yeah. I can tell you of an experience like when, when I was working as an event coordinator, I finally got my first big gig with MSA. Mind you, I had been signed to MSA for two years. And the first job that I get is Sam Smith. I just watched that video because I actually hadn't seen it. And I was like, oh, that was a dope video. It so was. Sam Smith's I'm Ready video, right? With Demi Lovato? Choreographer, Sean Bankhead. I'm like, okay. 
Okay, that's big. I'm like okay, this, that's, that's, big. that's like one of my favorite choreographers in the entire world. Like, yes. oh my God, I had heard so much about him. Jenny had met him because he had taught Dallas Cowboys Rhythm and Blue prior to me even being there when it was all girls. So my agent emails me back and she's like, you're booked. And I was like, wait, like no audition. My very first job with- Wow. And so my very first music video, like with the big, big artist and first job with my agency. So this is the first time I'm ever gonna get a paycheck from my agency. And it was with Sam Smith and it was also with Demi Lovato and it was also with Sean Bankhead. And it was also direct booked. That's oh huge. That's I was like, oh my God. So I went to rehearsals for Sam Smith and met Sean Bankhead. And I literally was like, hey, you know Jenny Durbin Smith? Uh, he was like, yeah, I know Jenny Durbin. And I was like, yeah, that was my coach. I used to dance for the Cowboys. And he was like, no way, I love Jenny. Oh man, she got so much swag, like stuff like that. And sometimes I just say things and I don't realize, oh my gosh, that's a bridge, that's a connection. Just all of that stuff. And I was a sponge on set once again. I was, I work production, I've produced things and I've produced commercials and I've produced sets and produced uh, live shows. So I was on set and as soon as I hear an assistant director, like, all right, y'all, let's stand up, let's get ready. Like I'm first one up, I'm ready. Like, cause I'm being a smart dancer. Like I know my rehearsal etiquette that I learned from Cowboys. I know my production etiquette that I learned from working with E2K and how time is money. So there was a moment like where I'm sitting in a room with dancers that are big name dancers for like Taylor Swift and they've danced for like everybody and Nicki Minaj and all of them. The director's yelling, you know, get ready, let's set, like action and things like that. And I'm like, y'all are still sitting down. Like, why are you sitting down? Like, even some of the biggest name people who that I look up to in the industry, they don't have the blessing of having that structure or etiquette because I'm like, yes, we're in heels, but at the same time, I'm thinking from a production aspect of it, but I'm also thinking of it from a dance support perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my feet hurt, but the faster I get up, the faster we can be done with these. Done and take them off. Yeah. I'm thinking as a producer where I'm like, if I'm up, that means time is money. They, they can possibly get extra shots that they might need that can feel different things or they can try new things. So I was always thinking like that. And there was a point in time where we were on set, the assistant director actually yelled out. He's like, I like this guy right here. This guy's always ready to go. He's always, and I'm like, it didn't register to me till now. Like when I tell the story of like my experience on set that I'm like, being a smart dancer is one of the most important things you could possibly do as a commercial industry dancer. You take the structure from your pro cheer background because pro cheer structure of learning and rehearsal etiquette and being a professional in marketing and branding yourself, but also marketing and branding the artist and marketing and branding the director and marketing and branding the choreographer. It's like that structure that you learn in your pro cheer world is honestly one of the best blessings you can take into your commercial world your experience obviously being part of a pro team has prepared you mm-hmm. in a way for like every experience that you've had that professionalism i think it's something that i hope dancers hear about and understand just that what they could be soaking up even more from the fact that they're on a team because it will apply in so many different things the way that you're balancing the way that you're representing your brand and just kind of that professionalism is key and it sounds like it's noticeable I don't think I would have the same dance industry road or journey mm-hmm. if, if it wasn't for my pro dance, pro cheer background. And that's simply because when you're on a team and they tell you like your contract agreement and they're like social media uh, etiquette and how you do this and how you do that, like all of that really goes into play because it's like, if I get a job now with a tour, I already know that I should not be tagging my location. So like all of those things play into it. Social media, like I know how to brand an artist, like Jojo Siwa, if you dance for Jojo Siwa, it has to be on brand. You cannot be posting half naked photos or anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
it's just one of those things you learn in your pro dance cheer world. It's not normal because there's some dancers who just do. They just do. Yeah. Yeah. I think without the structure of like social media etiquette and branding and marketing and how to be like so well-spoken and articulate, like those mm-hmm. things, even audition structure, like I know how to audition. I know when to, when to like throw out my tricks and I know when not to throw not, out my tricks. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, pro dance cheer world is like one of the blessings that I think would help a lot of dancers. Everything that I learned in my pro dance cheer world, Jenny Durbin Smith is an angel from up above. Like, I'm not even kidding you. Everything that she's taught me, I've applied to every situation in my day-to-day life. And that's personal, that's dance, that's all of it. Pro dance cheer, like, honestly, shaped my industry experience and I wouldn't change it for the world. I really wouldn't. Wow. I I mean, your whole background has just been remarkable to listen to because those experiences and how they come about and like what you gain from each one. And this is just something I've been thinking about because of end of the year comes, you're like reflecting and everybody's like, oh, 2020 was so crappy. And yes, it has been and all of that. But I just think, you know, trying to think of your life and all the experiences and being able to reflect and talk about it and how it came about and maybe what the tie-ins were, what the lessons were. That's the way that I'd like to reflect on 2020. You know what I mean? Like without just griping about all the horrible things. And it's not to take anything away from the deep, heavy things that we've experienced this year, mm-hmm. but just when you look back on your life and do it often, you know what I mean? You're young still. I mean, I'm, I just had a birthday, but it's just like thinking back on your experiences and really having this sponge mindset of what did I really pick up from that? Or why did it happen this way? Or Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's such a healthy way of looking at your life, right? And and this is your story. Like if you're writing a book or somebody's playing you in a movie, it's a beautiful thing. And everybody has a story to tell. And I think reflecting on it and sharing out, saying it aloud, like what you actually gained from it and how you've grown and how it shaped you is just a really, really awesome exercise. And I'm just excited that you wanted to share your story with us. Um, self-reflecting is like one of my biggest things. Like when it comes to kind of like soaking in those opportunities, I mean, I self-reflect daily. Whether it's on past friendships, relationships, life experiences, job opportunities, it's kind of like you self-reflect, you figure out the pros and cons. What did I gain from this? Like, you know, what did I learn? What can I do better? Like how you have to, being honest with yourself is the most important thing. And it's like, you have to really break down, like, what did I do wrong in this situation? What could I have done better in this situation? Did you actually take in, soak in and take in the moment? Did you enjoy yourself? Did you have fun? Like all of those things just tie into it, to self-reflection. So um, one of my biggest things is kind of like my life story as far as like how I grew up in my personal life. When I was 15, I had to separate from my mother and I went to live with my aunt. My aunt took care of me from my sophomore year of high school to my sophomore year of college. Also, when I separated from my mom, my father passed away. So I basically felt like I had lost both of my parents. But the thing was, is like, I never really like was down about it. I was never really like, let it get the best of me. It was more so like a, let's keep going kind of thing. So um, my aunt, she had kids of her own. So it was kind of like, well, I'm a sophomore in college now. So I don't need to provide financially for him anymore. So kind of like just cut financial aid from me. That's how I ended up really not being able to afford school Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a dormitory. So that first car that I bought, I started sleeping out of that car. Then I began sleeping couch to couch with my friends and, you know, hiding from RAs and things like that. And then me and my mom reconnected. So then I got back with my mom and living with my mom and driving back and forth from school to there. And then like same situation separated from my mom. So um, I ended up back sleeping out of my car, couch, couch to couch in college, trying to make it work. And then my grades started getting affected my junior year. So 
it. it was like one of those things where the timing was just so perfect. D- Dallas Cowboys is forever engraved in my heart because yeah. that was the opportunity, like seeing that post for the audition was the opportunity that separated me from the lifestyle that I was going through. Like I was staying with my sisters and, you know, there was times where they couldn't care for me because they had their own kids. And, you know, that I was jumping from my sister to sister. Like I have a total of eight sisters, by the way. Eight, eight sisters oh I have, my gosh. Yeah, everything like I've, I've been through it all when I look back on my life now I'm like the Dallas Cowboys saved my life and I could have easily let all of those situations that happened in my life as a kid affect how I moved about day to day but I got my work ethic from my mom like she's always been a hard worker so it made me a hard worker it's just all gifts and it was kind of like how am I just going to use it I know who I am I know what I want to do and I know what I want to be so it was kind of just like I just kept going and it wasn't in a mischievous way of just being like I got to show these people that I can make it it was more so just like a I am the author of my own story like now that I am old enough to have a pen in my hand and write my own story let's just start over like let's just start over and just start writing so when I made that team, it was a life-changing experience for me. Moving to Dallas was the best thing that I ever did. And I haven't looked back since. I'm going to just keep going. Where, where do I <laughs> right. want to go now? Like, right. Like, just, so every opportunity, I think that's why I'm just so appreciative of it is because one, I could have not been here for it. Yeah. Two, you're getting to do what you love, what you say you've always wanted to do. You, you get to do it. Like, oh, like the best moment of my entire life. I was dancing for the Dallas Cowboys. I get off the stage and going like to just, you know, interact with my teammates. And I hear someone scream, Marcus, Marcus. And I turn around. It's my very first dance teacher, Miss Faluke. And I had no, she, she had no clue. Like she knew that I danced for the team, but she didn't know like if she would see me. And I literally just fall down to the ground. I burst into tears. Like the photographer is like taking photos. I hadn't seen her since I was like 10. It was one of the like the proudest moments of my entire life was that I saw my dance teacher who instilled the love for like an eight count in my heart, literally like watched me and she saw me perform. My family, out of the three years of me dancing for the Cowboys, my family came to one game, one game. And mm-hmm. I remember moments from those games, like grandfather, my aunt, my uncle, and my little cousin were in the rain, in ponchos, watching me perform. And my mom was nowhere to be found. She was literally in the stadium. And I was like, wow, like, it's like, I don't even think of it in a negative way until I self-reflect on it. And self-reflect on it, I'm like, man, like, with a smile on my face, like, that was bad. That was a bad experience. The only thing that can help me is the fact that I'm self-reflecting and I'm sitting here saying, this was a bad experience, but look where I am now. Like, I'm I'm still here. Like, I'm still here and I'm still going. It's like, what is there to be upset about? I walk in every room and I leave with love light and inner. that's all like that's all you can leave with is love and light sometimes pain or difficult experiences can be a motivator for people to do great things but it's not necessarily like a positive motivator and it's like you're not doing it to prove like you said anybody wrong I can't even put it into words like how your mindset really resonates with me because I think it's the way where you're like not holding on to pain you're not yeah. holding on to the bad experiences I grudge holder at all I can't hold grudges and yeah. That's even with relationships and friendships and stuff. Like, what for? Like, why? I love every everybody that I've ever connected with in my entire mm-hmm. life. I could literally DM them, call them, text them, and we can talk like nothing ever happened. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some, just some people that I haven't talked to or in a long time. Right. And it's not my fault. It's just like, I genuinely just don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. And 
Mm-hmm. I want to reach out. Like I wouldn't know where to start because it was just like, you know, those things. So every experience you have on your dance team is not always the best or every experience right. that you have is not the best, but it's like, why hold a grudge? Like you were a huge part of my life. You are a part of my story. So yeah, yeah. I don't know, like all of these experiences, I love them. I love them all. I love the good. I love the bad. I love the ugly. Like, I just love them all because I don't know. I just wouldn't be Your story is beautiful. Like, it's just part of your story without really thinking about it. I mean, I think I view life in the same way where it's just good, bad, ugly. I love my story. You know, I mean, it's a story, you know, that's worth sharing, worth telling, but it's just like, it's a part of you. It makes you who you are. I mean, I feel like it shapes you, it guides you. If you really do take the time to self-reflect, then you actually can make even better decisions going forward. And you stop looking at life as like something to not look forward to, especially in terms of getting older. Like I joke about getting older, but but all I can do is self-reflect on all the many beautiful years and experiences, moments, tough ones, and how I'm still here. Like the I'm still here part is a really powerful powerful message and here with like an open heart open mind good exactly, energy. exactly. Like, it's just yeah. like i'm present i'm present yeah. i'm yeah. here meaning like there's still more to do like right now i could go somewhere and i could do something like i'm yeah. still here like i'm capable there's so much to do oh man there's like so much room for just learning growth opportunity and, and like infinite possibilities i'm just thankful that you shared your story here seriously it's a a wonderful journey it all connects and it all makes sense and there's so much more man I'm, I'm excited for your future I mean I don't mean to say it in any kind of like mama like way but it's just you have a lot to give and I, I can already- add you to the list I can add you to the list I have a list of moms I have mom <laughs> in my contact list I have mama this mama that mama that like literally I can add you oh to the list that's totally dating myself I <laughs> <laughs> feel like auntie I- yes auntie there you go auntie. okay there we go no but I am excited for your future and I hope you do come back and share all the amazing things that you do going forward yeah the pandemic is going to like calm down and more opportunities are gonna open up and I hope people do think of you and give you your stage to to shine and touch more people. <laughs> I know, like I just picture <laughs> we uh, people can't see. We're like giving weird little hand motions <laughs> through the t- computer, but maybe that'll be the last question. Male entertainers and you know, for pro cheerleading and dance teams and any thoughts and changes that you might like to see or any commentary on that. A guy dancing in general, being able to showcase his talent professionally in itself is a blessing. And I'm going to root for that guy no matter what. Like, and I'm I'm even happy with like the new social media page that shows male representation in the pro dance world. So it's like- Yeah, awesome. Pro dance boys? Pro dance boys. Yeah, pro dance boys. And it literally connects us. What's crazy is like being on DC Rhythm Blue, you you would get messages. I would get DMs and- from uh, Dylan in New Orleans and he would say like, hey, I want to come and audition. And I'm like, man, come do it. Like, you know, like rooting on guys to come audition. Uh, Larry Linsky, who dances now for the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've seen him audition for DCC, you know, Dallas Mavs and DC Rhythm Blue. And I'm like, finally, like I get to see my friend dance for a pro yeah. team. Like, yeah. pro dance is forever connected, but it's something about those guys. Like being yeah. a male, it's kind of like fighting for your opportunity to just, I just want to dance. Like men just want to dance. And it's so fun to see other guys dance. It's just so cool. I mean, I think all of the male dancers in the league right now are making a mark in a space that has been, it's, it's a challenging space, right? I mean, it's predominantly female, but in an all predominantly male sport and 
you know, there's so many different layers to it, but everybody should be so proud to be paving their way to have opportunities. You know, when you see like in the NBA, there's male dance teams forming left and right. So it's just more opportunities for male performers to dance. And it is a beautiful thing to see. There's still one more task that I have to complete. I am still going to be the first male Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I'm, it, okay. it, I'm serious. It is going to happen. I'm not kidding. Do you see Kelly and Judy opening that m mindset to? I mean, every opportunity that I get to tell them, I try to tell them. Like, <laughs> so you've been planting the seeds. You've been planting the seeds. I plant the seeds. I like a challenge and bucket list, and I will do it. I will happily go do That's it. That's how doors get knocked down. You know, it's not always about a polite knock. Sometimes you just got to, you know, yeah. kick the door in a little bit, but I'm it, here for it. <laughs> I don't want to kidnap you all day long, but. You got to drop it like it's hot real quick and give us some quick answers to some questions to round out your interview. Okay, okay. You ready? Yeah, I think so. Who's your favorite musical performer that dances? Missy Elliott. Okay. So is your dream dance career job dancing with her and going on tour or what's Actually, your dream? No. no. Mm -mm. My huh? okay. dream dance job would be Beyonce. Okay. Yeah. That's a good answer. What actor would play you in your biopic? Ooh. Um, I'm like studying your face, like who? Okay, he's older than me, but if he could, like if, if it could happen that way, it would be under 3,000. Dude, that's it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you know how like you're, I don't, wasn't consciously thinking about it, but I was like been staring at your face and then I'm just like, who does he look like? But it was, that's it. Under 3,000, I get it all the time. All the time. Uh, yeah. And he's a good actor. Okay, I like it. All right, your favorite social media app? Instagram. Who has it easier, men or women? Women. You walk into a store and their clothes are all there. Men has a little corner right there. That's, I'm, basing it, I'm basing it off of that. Okay, okay. Also, like, y'all can just walk around in a two-piece of clothing at auditions. We got to, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, good. Okay. I'll make you expand on it more. But I, I had to ask your perspective. I interview a lot of women, so... Uh, and ask that question from time to time. So, okay, let's see. If you could live in any sitcom, which one would it be? Okay. I, the first thing, I'm just going to say the first thing that came to my head, which is Saved by the Bell. If you were the eighth dwarf, what would your name be? Lanky. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Literally what? It literally was perfect. <laughs> Not just because of the fact that it's a question about dwarfs and obviously their size, but you're like 6'3", so that totally, <laughs> totally adds up. All right. What was the best vacation you've ever taken? <laughs> vacation I've ever taken? Um, okay. That's a hard. It's a, it's a tie between Barbados and Spain. Barbados. Barbados is my favorite island, period. It's the most really? It is. It's oh so good. Fish cutters, fish cutter sandwiches, and yeah. Uh, let's see. Last one. If you could... Sh no, it's actually not the last one. Dang it, I forgot to do what I was going to do. So you guys, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I was going to ask you some of these questions and ask you to do a special favor that we've never done before, which was to test out your skills and talents. So the last question you have to answer in all of the various accents that are listed on your resume. <laughs> if you want no. to. Or, no, no, three five. of them. Okay. Three of the five. I, okay, three wait. No, that's good because I think all of the accents, I think I can do them because I'm a really good impersonator. So I think I can do them. Okay. If you this scares me because, oh gosh, that's good. Scares oh, me. Please. Okay. So everybody, his 
resume with MSA agency sent it over. He's got all of his credits and he has this list of special skills. And I'm not even gonna read all of them, but there are a ton of them. And the ones that stuck out were his vocal style. He has certain accents. And so the ones that are listed are rapper. So the accent of a rapper. I have to, well, okay. It's okay. No, you don't have to do all of them. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna okay. let you pick your best, best two or three accents out of this list. And okay. you can get to the last question. Okay, okay. okay, so rapper, Australian accent, Occasion accent, a New York accent, Southern and a Texan accent. So I don't know what the difference is between Southern and Texan, mm -hmm. but we'll let you pick maybe your top two strongest accents and then you can answer. If you could shop for free at one store, which one would you choose? So I'll give you some time to think of your answer and then you could say it in a couple different accents. I'm just gonna be tickled pink listening. So go ahead, whenever you're ready. Okay. And scene, no, I'm kidding. Okay, so if I could shop for free at any store, it would most likely be either ASOS.com or it would be Zora. And I think it would be Zora because I love the color black and Zara sells a lot of black clothing. So that would, it would be Zara. Round wow. of applause. That hurt. <laughs> that was so good that oh. you don't have to do another one. That was dope. I had to ask because you had so many different like talents listed here. And I totally understand why there's so many because you just have such a broad set of experience. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I wish you the best. I mean, I know it's not the same exact experience this holiday season of being able to connect, but I mean, with all of your different gigs and bringing people together virtually, I can almost imagine you as kind of like the host for your family on the Zoom yeah. call and getting everybody to, to be connected. So, I mean, I wish you and your loved ones, you know, a wonderful holiday season and such a pleasure meeting you. Seriously, I can't. Yeah, it really was. It was really great. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines.